I believe that one of the reasons that we gather here, and I could probably ask this question and you'd probably start saying a bunch of different things, but the, I'm not going to do that. I just want you to think about the one of the reasons that we gather here, uh, you may not think of it this way, is to do battle. The reason we, one of the reasons that we come on Sunday mornings and gather as the church is we're coming to do war. We're coming to do battle. And some of you may be thinking, well, that's not why I come to church. I, I actually come for peace. I would like to have more peace in my life. Well, we're in a battle for peace. You may be here thinking, I just, I came here for more hope, or I come here for hope each week. Well, we're battling for more hope. But there's a battle that takes place, and I guarantee you some of these battles are taking place in every one of our minds here today. It's a battle that takes place in our minds. I guarantee you in this room this morning, there's a battle of insecurities. We all have them. We're human. There's, there's a battle of doubts you may be carrying. You may be in here this morning or watching online, and you may be uh, dealing with battles uh, of words that have been spoken to you, words that you heard from others. Uh, maybe words, negative words that you've played of, of yourself and a recording in your own mind of things that you have said to yourself. Maybe uh, a battle of regrets, of past failures and sins. We are in a battle. And every week we come to battle. And we are waging war against the things that God doesn't want for us. He, I want to tell you this. God wants us to win that battle. He wants you to win that battle, friends, this morning. Uh, Jesus called us into this battle at the very beginning and said, that we have to think new. So we're in a series, it's our last message, about thinking new and this battle that we're in, this battle that we wage. And one of those battles is in our mind. And Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus called us to repent and believe. That's to think new. To repent is to change the way that we think. It's to go a different direction. To believe is to believe in his gospel. It's to believe in something new. So Jesus, right out of the gate, invites us to think new, to change our minds. And, and we're also given some wonderful promises that when we repent and believe, the Scripture tells us that the old is gone and the new has come, that we're made brand new inside, that we're a new person. But it doesn't end there. We start this journey. I've been sharing a few things about new that I believe that if I'm going to be the pastor that you need me to be, I'm going to have to think like a new pastor. If we're going to be the followers of Jesus that he calls us to be in the church that he needs us to be, we're going to have to think like new believers, and we're going to have to think like a new church. Last week, we talked about how one of the ways that we engage in that battle that, uh, is, to, is to pray. And, and my challenge is still to you today, I pray that you will 12 minutes a day, you'll start your day before your feet hit the floor. The first thing you do, maybe you'll grab that cup of coffee first, but after you grab that cup of, cup of coffee, that you'll engage in prayer and reflection and start your day with him. I'm, I, I hope that, that some of you will, with some of us prayed here this morning, and I didn't care who was here, and I didn't know if they knew that why they were here at 9, but I grabbed a few of you at 9 o'clock that were here and said, hey, God tells us we're two or three gathered in his name. He promises us to be there. Would you pray with me? And they said yes. And so we, we, we need to take moments to pray and engage in that battle. But another way that we battle, and we've been doing it this morning already, is through praise and worship. That's one of the ways that we engage in this battle. It's through praise and worship, specifically praise and worship of God, praise and worship of Jesus. Why did we do what we just did? Why do we come in here each week? And why do we sing songs? Why do we 
praise and worship, as we call it. Why do we come in here each week and sing songs? It's a battle. We're engaging in a battle. When we praise and when we worship, whether you know it or not, we are engaging in a fight. We're engaging in a battle. And and there's something about when we praise and when we worship that we go on the offensive, that walls and barriers begin to break down. And when we begin to praise God and we begin to worship Him, we get on top of those battles. It doesn't mean they go away, but we see walls and barriers begin to fall. And I think of the Old Testament and the old uh, pastor Aaron talked about, you know, when he was a little kid in Sunday school. I remember the walls of Jericho and how the walls of Jericho fell. They sent in the van first. They sent in the worship team first. And they shouted and they walked around the walls for seven days. On the last day, they went around seven times and they shouted and they praised. They went on the offensive with their praise. Praise is where we find our power. Praise is where we find our wonder. Friends, we were made for worship. We were made for praise. We were commanded to praise. In Psalm 150, the last the last chapter of the 150 Psalms that we see, it tells us what we are to do. It says, praise the Lord. Where are we to praise Him? Well, first, we praise God in His sanctuary. That's what we're doing here. We also praise Him in His mighty heavens. That means we we praise Him when He's near. We praise Him where He's far. We're to go praise God. Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for what? Praise Him for His acts of power. For the things that he's done in your life, in my life. We've been praising him this morning for some of the, the things that he's done in our life. But not just for his acts of power, but it says praise him for his surpassing greatness. We're to praise God just because he is. Because of who he infinitely is. An awesome, amazing God beyond our comprehension. So we praise him for what he's done, but we also just praise him for who he is. How are we to praise him? Well, we praise him with the sounding, verse 3, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with string and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Basically, any way that you can think of to praise him, praise him. Whatever instrument you can use, praise him. Whatever means you have, praise him. Use whatever at your disposal to praise him. And then finally, this psalm instructs us of who's to praise him. Verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. All of creation is called to praise Him. This morning, the goal of praise and worship is to cultivate hearts that are in awe of God. That's why we praise. That's why we worship. It's to cultivate hearts. We're all cultivating something. Every day, this morning, we're cultivating, we're, we're, we're laying seed, we're laying the groundwork, we're cultivating things in our life. The purpose of worship and praise is to cultivate hearts that are in awe of God. You see, our flesh, our natural bodies get naturally weary and out of alignment when we don't worship because we're born to worship. We're made to worship. Look at the benefits of worship. In worship, we cultivate a heart amazed by God a mind gripped by the truth of God, a faith that rests in the power of God, an imagination ignited by the beauty of God, a hope filled with the glory of God, 
and a life steadied on the sovereignty of God. It is to our benefit. It's to your benefit when we praise and worship him. It brings us, it makes us alive. It helps us come alive. Now, a couple months ago, uh, I think I may or may not have told everyone about this. I just hesitate a little bit because I kind of sometimes get in trouble. I can't show this video uh, because I want to stay married. But uh, it was Heather's birthday week. Uh, the Jayhawks had won the national champion. A couple weeks had gone by. We were honored to be able to go to the state house and meet some of the Jayhawks and Bill Self. And Heather got to talk to Coach Bill Self quite a bit. And that Friday, um, she got a text that her brother was with Bill Self. And Heather said, you better call me. You better have him. You better. You better have him call. And well, we we need to talk. And we just. She was just kind of joking. Well, that was earlier in the day, about five thirty that night. It was schools at the end. I know schools getting ready to start back up. And you got to get that energy going again. But it was the end of the school year. Uh, the exciting things the Petersons do on a Friday night. It was five thirty. I said, Heather, what do you want to do? She said, I want to take a nap. It's like, that sounds like a great Friday night evening. So 5.30 in the evening, we lay down for a nap. We are out within just a couple minutes. We are out in La La Land when all of a sudden the phone rings. Her phone rings. She looks, I wake up. She, she looks up. She goes, it's my brother. It's Bill Self. I was like, it's your brother. It's not Bill Self. It's, it's, and so she, she answered it. But somehow she kind of knew that her brother was going to come through for her. So I pulled out my phone. And sure enough, it wasn't her brother, Ronnie. It was Bill Self talking to her. And I recorded this conversation that went on for nearly three minutes. And you would have thought she was a little schoolgirl. I mean, she was so excited. And I, again, I can't show it to you because I want to stay married tomorrow. But um, she, you know, we were sleep hair and all that stuff. And, 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 but at the end, I can, I can tell you what she did. The moment she set that phone down and she knew it was off, she did one of these. <laughs> like that. She went from being dead to alive. She went from being out of it to completely alive and awake. And friends, that's what worship and praise, not to Bill Self, but to God. Think, uh, that's when we praise and we worship God, we were meant to worship. We were meant to praise. So we are going to worship something because we were born to worship. God created it within us that we're called to worship. And we get off track and we worship other things and self. But when we worship God, we come alive. Now, I've been saying praise and worship. And I asked the question this morning, is it the same thing? And I would say, no, it's not the same thing. But they're like peanut butter and jelly. They go together. Praise and worship go together. First, praise. Praise is the joyful recounting of all that God has done for us. It's thankfulness. It's appreciation. It's being grateful. Uh, praise isn't just reserved for God. It's universal and can be applied to other relationships as well. I mean, you think about it. We praise our children for uh, their accomplishments on the athletic field or in the academics or in the arts. Uh, we, 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 we like it when our boss praises us for a, a job well done. We might praise someone for being a good friend. It's not, it's not a sin or a bad thing. Uh, in Proverbs, it tells us about a, the wife and mother who's to be praised. Proverbs 31 says, Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Some wisdom for us men this morning. You want to have a better marriage? Praise your wife. Give her praise. It's okay. It, it says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Praise isn't something that's quiet. 
it gives an indication from Psalm 150 and other places in Scripture that praise is boisterous, it's joyful, it's unreserved, it's in uninhibited. God invites all creations, it says in, in, in Psalm 150, all creation to praise him. In fact, Jesus is the one that said, if, if we don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out, that, that creation's going to cry out and praise him. Worship, on the other hand, is something much deeper. Worship, unlike praise, is reserved for God and God alone. And there's times that we get off in our life and we go down the wrong path and we worship the wrong things. But worship is designed specifically for God. Jesus said when he was tempted in the desert by Satan, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And we all face the same temptations Jesus did to worship other things, to put other things above God, to get our priorities out of whack and not put him in his rightful first place. Worship is reserved for God alone. Worship sets a different tone. When we read the scriptures about worship, it says things like, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. In, in others, in Psalm 96, 9, it says, come, let us worship and bow down. Worship is, is associated with a posture, a posture of humility, of bowing, uh, of of kneeling, of respect, of contrition. In worship, we come, we, we, we bring ourselves back into realignment with God and give him the right and proper place. And worship is a place of surrender. In fact, if I could only describe praise and worship with one word, I would say this. Praise is about thanksgiving. Worship is about surrender. Worship is what we give our, our whole selves to, what we surrender our, our lives to. And true worship is more than a song, it's a way of life. True worship result, results in a surrendered life like the, the writer of Hebrews describes in chapter 13. When he says this, verse 13 says, Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we, have a, we are looking forward to a city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. In these short four verses, we're given a prescription of the characteristics of the results of a life that is of worship and praise. The first we see is verse 13. Let us then go outside to the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. What are we talking about? There? In verse 12, it talked about how Jesus went outside the camp so that he might reconcile us to him, so that he might show us. He, he came outside where we were, where we were far from him to make us holy. In the same way, we're called a, we're to have a willingness to live outside of our comfort and safety to share Jesus with others. A true heart of worship is going to have a concern for others, is going to have a concern to help others uh, experience God's love and grace. Uh, a second part of that is a focus on our future home, verse 14. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come. A, tr a true heart of worship is future focus. 
a lot of the songs that we sing, if, you'll, if we'll pay attention, you'll notice many times it's future focused. It's focused on the victory that Christ has already won and the future that we have because of what he has done. It's looking forward to something greater, something that this home that is not our home that we have. In fact, uh, this week uh, there was a few of, of you that I had conversations with, and I won't call you out by name, but I had a few conversations with some of you this week that said, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm discouraged about where our world is going and what's taking place in our world and the, and, and the direction that some of the things are going. It just discourages me. And friends, I would say, we shouldn't be discouraged. Why should we be discouraged? Jesus told us in this world we're going to have trouble, but he tells us he's overcome it. The apostle Paul told us that we should live as aliens and foreigners in this world, that this world is not our home. At best, we're just guests traveling through. But this is not our home. This is not our kingdom. For the believer, our kingdom is the kingdom of God, and so our, our focus is on a future. If this home feels a little if this place feels a little bit out of sorts and doesn't feel quite like home, praise God for that. Don't get too comfortable here. God has a home and a future for us that is greater than this. The, uh, uh, another thing of true worship is a sacrifice of praise, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Praise involves sacrifice. Worship involves sacrifice. Praise is, is not just, it's not what we get out of it. We get things out of it, but it's not what we get out of it. It's what he gets out of it. It's what God gets out of it. That's what, that's what praise is. And sometimes praise is a sacrifice. Anybody uh, other than me wake up in the morning and you just don't feel like in a praising attitude? I'm not, I, I'm kind of a morning person. I'm kind of an in-betweener. I, I can't make it real late, and I don't like it real early, but I usually get up early. But I'm, it takes me a little bit to kind of get going. I'm not the happiest of campers. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to paint myself in the picture that I'm not happy, but it just, there's sacrifice in praise. There's sacrifice in our praising. Sometimes we don't feel like worshiping. We don't feel like having devotions and quiet time. There's a sacrifice involved. Let's be honest. Sometimes we don't feel like going to church. There's a sacrifice in going to church, especially if you have a mother of a preschooler, a preschoolers and infants. I'm, I'm always grateful and thankful for our young families that, again, you, you were there at one time, we were there at one time. It's a sacrifice getting kids ready. It's a sacrifice to get here. It's a sacrifice to come to church. We don't always feel like it. Praise involves sacrifice. We know the greatest example of this is Job in the Old Testament who said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter my circumstances. God's worthy of my praise and I'm going to praise him. So we, it's not just something we sing or a song. It's something that we do as a life. But corporately we come and we worship together. There's a reason and a method behind the way that we design and set up our services. It's actually gone on for a long, long time, but we begin a service with praise. We usually begin with a song that's louder, a, a little more boisterous, uh, a little more upbeat. We, we start, we, we begin with a praise, and then we transition into a worship. 
into a place of surrender. Maybe our hands are lifted up. Maybe we kneel. Maybe we bow. And that's all a setup because worship is a setup to get God, uh, to get us ready for what God wants us to receive from him. And our heart has to be in the right place. So we, we don't pray usually in our service until after we've worshiped. That's allowing God to get our hearts in the right place. And we don't invite you to give and as an act of worship, which worship, uh, giving is an act of worship. Why is giving an act of worship? Because giving is an act of surrender. When we give, we're surrendering. We're, we're saying, God, I, I surrender to you, this to you. I, I, would, I would say that it's one of the most important things that we do. Jesus talked about money more than anything else. Why did Jesus talk about money so much? Because he knows it's a hard place for us to surrender. When we're called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but we're going to hold on to our pocketbook, God, 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 it's all his. I'd ask you today, how much of your income or how much of your job this week, how much of the paycheck you receive, how much of that is God's? How much of your home is God's? How much of your possessions are God's? It's a rhetorical question. It's all God's. All of it's his. For the believer, every bit of it's his. God doesn't need anything from us. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our resources. Everything is his. When we give, we're, we're, God knows that we're doing it. When we give 10% back to him, we're, we're saying that we surrender to you. We're giving you first place. My oldest, Reagan, got her first what we call big girl's paycheck this week in Florida. And uh, she was pretty excited about that. She was a little bit discouraged by what the government took out of it. I said, be thankful you live in Florida and not California. <laughs> you would have more taken out of it. But I began to think, and in fact, I asked how I said, I need a reminder. I know because the first time you make that bigger step, and it's a Christian school, so it's not like, you know, huge money. It's, it's just going to, she's going to be able to live. But I, I was telling Heather, I said, I need a reminder ask her where she's, you know, going to be tithing to. She hasn't found her church yet. And Heather said she's already, she's already said she's just going to continue to give here until she finds her own church home. They keep looking for churches. You can pray my daughter and her friend find a church home. It's, it's a good thing when we find a church home, a place to, to gather with the body of Christ and worship and praise together and be fed in our spirits and our souls. But um, I, you know, honestly, I'm a pastor. I know the blessing of giving. Uh, my parents taught it to me. But now that she's at her place, I, I know what her rent payment is in Florida. I, I know what some of her expenses are. And there's a part of me as her dad that just wanted to say, just give it a few years, start tithing in a few years, and, and then, begin to, th then begin to give. I don't want my daughter to miss out on his blessings. I don't want God, I don't want my daughter to miss out on surrender to him. That she, that by giving, that she's saying, God, you're the one that supplied me with this job. You're the one that's going to supply me with my future jobs. You're the one that's going to supply me with my promotions. You're the one that's given me. It's all yours. All that you ask is that I begin by giving 10% back to you. And I just believe it, that God is going to bless her for it. Because it's a place of surrender. It's why the message follows worship. Because we're better in a position to receive what God wants to speak into our heart from his, through his word when we worship and praise first. Again, it's like, the, it's like the walls of Jericho. The worship team, the band went in first to prepare for battle. 
In the same way, when Pastor Dustin and his worship team, when they, when they lead us in prayer, they're leading us into battle. They're leading us into a place to have our hearts ready to receive what God would have for us. I've been thinking a lot about this, this praise and worship, and especially on our time on our sabbatical. I told you I have a bad habit of going in and being a critic and critiquing the pastor, critiquing the message, the announcements, the greeting, the ushering. Uh, I, have a, I have a tendency to do that. But on sabbatical, I said, put that hat aside, go in and just worship. And I do feel like I did that. And I feel like there was great benefit to that. But as I look back, I couldn't help but look back and, and notice some things. And those seven different churches that we were part of, I noticed that there was different levels of preparedness for worship that morning. Some, uh, there's one or two churches Really, if I'm honest, I'm going to say one, that it was like a shotgun out of a gate. I mean, they were ready from the moment it started. They were just waiting for the gun to go off. And these people, they were ready to worship. They were ready to praise. They were ready, to, they were ready for church. Most of my, our experiences were that it was more like a turtle coming out of a gate. It was kind of, they got to warm things up. They kind of got to get warmed up before they're ready to, ready to receive it. I can tell you, each of the church blessed me in different ways, but the one that really blessed me was the one where the people were ready to worship, where the people came ready to praise. And that has to do more with our mindset than it does with how things go. The, the turtle way is like, let's see what happens, and then I'll decide if I'm going to be a part of this or not. The shotgun says, I don't care what happens. I'm here to praise the Lord. There was an old song that we sang growing up. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know what you came to, to do. I came to praise the Lord. I don't care if you criticize my hair. I don't care if you criticize wh whatever else. I've come to praise. I don't remember all the words of the song, obviously, but that was, the, that was the song. It was, I don't care what happens today. I'm coming to worship. I'm coming to praise. And I want to challenge our church to continue to grow. I, I honestly, I think we're somewhere in the middle. I think we're somewhere in the middle where we're, we're, we're ready, but we're kind of waiting to see what happens sometimes too. But I want to give a challenge to us as a church, to Sunday morning, a worship challenge. And, and it's three challenges. The first one is this, come with an expectant mindset. Come expecting God to do something. Come expecting God to do something great in your life. Come expecting God to do something great in someone else's life. But come to church with a mindset expecting God to do great things. Friends, God's challenging me in this because sometimes I just come and wait for it to happen. And God has challenged me. Are you going to come with a mindset that, that I want to do something new in this church? That I want to see a new day of revival. I want to see a new day of my spirit uh, poured out on, on God's people. You need to come with an expectant heart, with a mindset, expecting. I can tell you this. If you don't come expecting, I can guarantee you this. Most of the time, you will get what you were expecting. Most of the time, we get what we're expecting. And my expectations, when they changed on sabbatical to, I'm going to worship, I don't care what happens today, I can't, I can't explain it, but I was overcome by emotion by a couple of those times, two or three two or three stanzas into the first song, and my heart was just overwhelmed with praise because I took off the critic hat and I put on the praise hat. Praise and worship, they, if we come with an expectant mindset. Second, I want to encourage you to come with a prepared mindset. 
Come prayed up. Don't just show up. Come prayed up. Spend some time on Saturday night praying for the worship service on Sunday morning. Or get up early Sunday morning at home and spend some time specifically praying for your church and your pastor who needs it. And, and that God would use this church to advance his kingdom and share his gospel. I would encourage those still that I'm going to continue to encourage that 9 o'clock is about when the worship team finishes practicing. And from about 9 to 9.15, you're just going to find me in here. I was found a couple other people. We prayed together. We just gathered because we, we just believe the scripture. Where two or three gather in his name, he promises to be there. So we just gathered over there in the corner because there was three of us. I don't care how, if there's two or three that gather, but come with a mindset. Come and come prayed up and maybe come early and pray for the service. And then switch your focus and come prepared to receive guests. Come prepared to receive guests. So maybe around 9.15 or 9.20, this focus needs to shift to we need to be ready to receive people and welcome them in. Let me ask you a question. If you've ever invited someone over to your home for the very first time, they're a first-time guest. They've never been to your home for dinner before. They've never come into your house, and you've invited them. You've taken that risk. They've said yes. Would you dare think about showing up late to your own home for dinner? Would you invite them and put a sign out on the front door and say, welcome, come on in, we'll be there in about 20 minutes? Would we do that? We wouldn't do that. This is a challenge, friends, a, a loving challenge that, that, that we don't just show up, but that we come prepared, that it's not just about us, but it's thinking about others. And we only get, as Pastor Nate often says to our guest team, that we only get one chance to make a first impression. And every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. And going into a church, being a church person, it was still weird going into these seven churches that I did not know. It felt different, and it, it felt a lot. I wanted people to talk to me, but I want to talk too much. You know what I'm saying? So greet them, say hi, give them a little space, don't overwhelm them. I can overwhelm them, but, but at least with a smile on our face, let's be ready to welcome people. And the third thing is come with a sacrificial mindset. Come with an expectant mindset. Come with a prepared mindset. And thirdly, come with a sacrificial mindset. I think one of the most inspirational things any one of our presidents has ever said, had to go back ways for it, was John F. Kennedy when he said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The average person, I, I think the average person thinks comes in thinking to church, I hope the pastor doesn't stink it up today. But I'm here to challenge you, don't be average. You choose what you're going to get out of it. You choose, I'm going to take some notes. I'm going to put some notes on my phone. I'm going to choose to receive something today from God, whether he knocks it out of the park or whether he doesn't even make it to first base. I'm going to choose to receive. Don't choose to be average. I, I think most people think, I hope the music's good today then I'll participate. Don't be like most people. Don't wait for it to be good. You make it good. It's not about what we receive. It's about what he receives. I'll be honest with you. First song was a good illustration for them this morning because we came out of the gate and I was like, never heard this one before. And honestly, it wasn't super easy for me to say. I mean, I was, the rhythm wasn't, I'm not very rhythmic. And so I was wanting something with a little easier rhythm, but I had one or two choices. I could practice what I was going to preach you today, or I could wait for it to come and wait till I got to song two. 
We jump in. We make it great. Because it's about what he gets, not what we get. Normal people ask, what can I get from this? Don't be normal. Be weird. Be different. I'm inviting you, church, to be weird, but not really weird. To be different. To not accept normal. Instead of asking, what can I get? Ask, what can I give? How can I serve? Who can I serve? Who can I encourage? I was just reading an article this morning about pastors, and it was a particular pastor talking about pastors that are discouraged. Pastors get discouraged too. People get discouraged. You know what helps me the most when I'm discouraged? When I encourage someone else. If we will come in here each week and say, who can I encourage? Instead of looking for the happy face, look for the face with the biggest frown and see if you can turn that frown and turn it upside down. It just does so much for us when we don't think about what we're going to receive, but what we can give, who we can serve, who we can encourage, what new person I can introduce myself to to help feel welcome and like they belong here. Expect, come with an expectant mindset, come with a prepared mindset, come with a sacrificial mindset. And trust me, God's going to get definitely more out of it, but you are too. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, would you believe this? Two minutes left. We're ahead of schedule. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, for your love for us. Thank you for the second service that's getting ready to come in here in a moment. I pray as we leave as the first service, I pray that the second service would get such a greeting from us. When we leave here, they would say, what happened? We're excited. What changed? I pray, Lord, that you would help us to to not leave here the same way that we came in. Lord, may our focus be enlarged by the presence of our mighty God. May we lift our hearts to you if we haven't already. May we lift our hearts to you in praise and worship and thanksgiving. May we give you the praise and honor that you're due. We were born to worship. We were made to worship. You created us to worship. So, Lord, help us to practice that. We get a little practice as we go out these doors today. We get the opportunity to practice that this week. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for these good people. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone watching online or someone in this room, they haven't experienced their purpose, it's to worship you, to receive you as their Savior, their Lord, they would do that right now. They would surrender to you. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. Come into my life. I want to be new. I want to be made new. And he will do it. Father, thank you for your church today. Thank you for your people. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You can stand this morning. Maybe the person next to you has been frowning. Help them turn that frowning upside down. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.